Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 13 of DM Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my dragon polymorphed into a wonderful human being, Ben Bumhoff. How are you doing this evening, Ben? Wow, now I want to know what kind of dragon I actually am. Um, see, I was going to go on a whole, like, woohoo, lucky 13, we're doing it, and but now I'm just like... Would I? Yeah, I'd probably be metallic. I, I hope. I don't think I'm like inherently evil. And in, no, all. no, you know, you're you're totally you're totally metallic. I would I would say you're like maybe like silver, or bronze. Okay, I can live with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, actually a pretty good compliment. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, well, <laughs> considering uh, you know they they like to to hang out with mortals and everything like that, uh, you'll be my mortal buddy. Cool. And speaking of, You're so much more than a mortal buddy, though. That was that was just a, a fantastic segue into what we're actually going to talk about. Uh, yes, the intro did have a purpose because we're going to talk about the antithesis of our red dragon that we talked about a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. or a few, I guess, a few episodes ago. Uh, this week, it's all about the kings of the metallics, the gold dragons. So we, uh, we actually did a fair bit of gold dragon lore prep for this episode. So prepare to be blown away by all (laughs) the facts that we've learned over the course of this past week. Yeah, there's actually a lot of dragon lore out there to begin with, but um, I, I mean, gold dragons in particular are incredibly interesting because they aren't really ever dragons for the most part. Uh, one of the big things that really kind of hit me is the fact that uh, they spend a lot of time in humanoid form or in just some random animal form because they are so innately like magical that they're able to polymorph into whatever. And this is just really intriguing to me because, um, you know, these golden dragons, they could be out there, you know, just uh, presenting themselves to humans, to people, to whatever. And, you know, just, going and trying to help like a little child in need or, you know, maybe keeping watch over, uh, you know, say a, a, a widow and her kids or something, you know, just kind of not exactly inserting themselves into everything. Like not, not like puny little details and stuff, but they're there anyway. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting because these are the, they're, they're technically from a lore perspective, the most powerful of metallic dragons Mm -hmm. and um as as we talked about uh a few episodes ago um metallic dragons at least from from a game standpoint have the innate shape change ability uh that allows them to polymorph into like ben said humanoid forms or whatever now of course it's your game your stuff can be whatever you want it to be Mm -hmm. um we talked about like uh, in my games, I love to give the chromatic dragons the same type of ability because it just makes for, for really interesting stuff. Oh, but from a, from a lore perspective, uh, this is what metallics are all about. And a lot of these types of dragons actually like to take these humanoid forms just for interaction. And at least from what we learned in the lore, gold dragons actually prefer to be, in these polymorph forms more so than even their, their base form. Mm-hmm. Cause it's so, it's so big usually. Uh, so how would you play a gold dragon in your game? First off, they're, they're very, uh, they are lawful good, mm-hmm. which means they have a, a code of ethics essentially. And they're very much for justice and they hate evil, and so they're they're all about smiting the <laughs> smiting the evil that <laughs> goes on around. So it's if you need a a very uh, a very pointed, very uh, singular focus, uh, no gray area type character, 
uh, Gold Dragon might be that type of character for your game. Exactly. And because they can polymorph and, and, you know, turn into pretty much whatever, you can introduce them in a variety of different ways, too. They could be, you know, maybe uh, someone working in uh, one of the churches or, or, or a temple or something, um, you know, could just be a lost child needing help and then kind of turning your players into, you know, something more than what they are, you know, kind of like leading them to, you know, evil, essentially. Um, anything from, I mean, gosh, they could be a cat that they're chasing for whatever reason, you know, and then leading your adventurers into, you know, some sort of catacombs where, where a lich has, has just risen for the first time. I mean, there's, there's a ton of different ways that you can play it. And because that they are just able to take so many different forms, it's really entirely up to your imagination on how you want to play it. Um, you know, it, a humanoid form doesn't necessarily mean, oh, they're human or, oh, they're just elven. I mean, you can have them be any sort of thing, you know, uh, maybe an orc leading players out of town to an encampment because, you know, something nefarious is happening. You know, uh, just so many different avenues of possibility are, are, are placed in front of you whenever you choose to have a gold dragon, especially with a, a, a clear focus of we need to go fight some evil. Yep, exactly. And it's uh they're very interesting because of all of all the metallic dragons, they have some very distinctive markings. And the one of the just fun little pieces of trivia. So you can recognize a gold dragon because it's gold. But more so than that. Oh, oh. yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh it's got these little whisker things almost. You know, like the, the little, these little tendrils. And so I was like, what are these things? Apparently, they're not strong enough to like pick things up. They're used <laughs> to clean its face and its teeth. Which is so, just so weird. Just <laughs> but random, it... random bit of dragon trivia. Also, they like to eat pretty much anything, but they prefer, they prefer pearls and gems. Yeah, this is one of those other really fun things is, hey, a golden dragon, delete anything, like literally anything. So again, if you want to have them just be a humanoid in town and then pick up like a rock and start eating it or something just to kind of, you know, show that there's something weird going on. Hey, that might kind of tip some people off. <laughs> but exactly. uh, I mean, it, it's just it's one of those things that, uh, you know, been doing some research for this episode that uh, really surprised me is the fact that in first edition, golden dragons were actually more of like the traditional Chinese dragon. Or, if you know, if you play World of Warcraft, like the cloud serpents and, and, and you know, just the really long or elongated bodies. But as the, uh, the, the versions have kind of changed and upgraded and, and, you know, modified things, now they still have like a super duper long tail, but you know, still have the normal like dragon wings now that are like giant sails. So th they still have kind of the similarities. Plus with the whiskers and stuff, you can still see where their origins are, but they're a beautiful thing flying in the air. If they choose to be a dragon. Exactly. And so uh, we, we, we just mentioned a, a few of the, the ways your players could encounter them. Um, they can be great protagonists mm -hmm. or great um, kind of benevolent creatures that can send your adventurers on quests that can be kind of uh, in charge in the background of things. Uh, they make fantastic allies for your characters just because of their alignment. And so they will have a very uh, cut and dry as I said, sense of morality, which can be very interesting if your party does not mm -hmm. have, have that sense of morality. Uh, there can be some really interesting stuff, uh, especially when you talk about uh, a gold dragon's lair. Because yes. a, a lot of times, um, and I know one of the things I was reading about is gold dragons will actually have artifacts, uh, sometimes very evil artifacts, that they have basically taken and are safeguarding a way to protect other people from getting them, which could make 
layer encounters or treasure hordes of gold dragons if your party were to encounter such a thing a very interesting way to seed some <laughs> very interesting items into your game. Exactly. Uh, it, but even more so, one of the neat things about their hordes is that they actually keep them in a vault, like deep within their lair. And they usually put, uh, you know, like magical wards around them. Uh, and it it's, you know, kind of different than uh, a lot of other dragons. The fact that they have a specific spot they keep under lock and key essentially and, you know, safeguard all of the stuff, um, you know, when they're not snacking on the, the, the pearls and gems, of course. Um, but uh, another neat thing about their hoard is that not only do they, you know, like the, the normal kind of gold gems, the thing that, you know, every dragon does, but uh, they also have like different uh, like works of art. Um, and also they're very big on magical items. Uh, a lot of reasons uh, behind that is because of uh, the, the craftsmanship that goes into such things like sculptures, uh, especially, um, you know, magical items. When you craft something, usually there's a lot of hard work and, and effort put into it, you know, much less enchanting it on top of that. And, and they appreciate all of that, like in, intricacy, which is a word I can't say right now, but um, appreciate all that in, in everything in their hordes. Uh, it's okay. I'm about to say a crazy word too, because uh, as, as you talk about the, their layer and their hordes and stuff, uh, one of the other big things about gold dragons is their followers. A lot of times they, they're very, uh, here we go, hierarchical. Hey, there you go. Hierar- hierarchical. Hier- ah, you had it the first time. You should have stopped. Oh, I should have, I know. I should have stopped. <laughs> uh, the, but basically they, they love uh, hierarchies, chains of command. And uh, a lot of times you will see them recruit other creatures to guard their layers and their mm-hmm. hordes while they're gone. And uh, or they will establish some sort of essentially pecking order in their territory where certain things will have the rulership or ownership over certain parts of protection for the land or protection for the layer or protection for the horde. So you can have this entire like hierarchy system built up with this gold dragon that you can also work into the story which can be an interesting plot point in and of itself. Exactly. Um, On top of that too, uh, Golden Dragon Society is actually a really intriguing thing as well. Um, For the most part, they, if I remember correctly, they're they're usually loners unless, you know, they actually are, um, you know, working on, you know, trying to find a mate and, and, and courting and everything. And in fact, the dating scene for Golden Dragons is, really a lot about just kind of discussing philosophies and morality and things like that, as opposed to just, you know, Hey, let me take you out to dinner. But um, the really cool thing is, is that uh, whereas, you know, some of the other different types of metallic dragons will have, you know, uh, like say maybe like uh, local um, rulers, local communities or something like that, just kind of like spread out golden dragons. Basically they vote for who the leader is. And then that's the leader of all the gold dragons in the entire world. Um, once the dragon gets to, what, what was it? Something like uh, 1,250 years old or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, they're able to vote for, for whoever the leader is. And I mean, it just happens. And then at that point, that one main dragon is the one who kind of determines what happens at that point. And it could be anything going into, um, you know, if there is like a, a gigantic threat in the world, he can kind of mobilize all of them to go fight together to, to you know, end this evil or injustice and everything. And that's, uh, you, you kind of bring up uh, another point too, which is kind of interesting. And this is, this is kind of goes toward all dragons. And as a DM, this is something to think about. And we're actually going to talk a little bit about um, age in our in our next topic as well uh, because it's it's relevant to both but mm-hmm. dragons uh, especially metallic dragons I think the number I was reading for for gold was thrown around to something like four thousand years yeah four thousand year lifespan these are these are creatures that can have a massive amount of uh, 
I guess, a, a massive amount of experience or uh, experiences that they can uh, pull from, that they can see. They might have seen ancient times where the city was nothing but mm-hmm. a hillside village or something like that. And it, so there's, there's a lot of really cool lore stuff as a DM you can play with when you bring dragons onto the scene uh, as you can pull from, from history if they've you know, been around for a really, really long time or they might know things by a different name than they are known now and stuff like that. So you, you can play around with that type of concept a lot. Oh yeah. And, and something that's really neat when you do have someone who was actually there 2000 years ago that saw the rise and fall of the evil dictator who, you know, magically enslaved a land or, or, or something along those lines. And now uh, they're back. Exactly. So they know the danger that's going to be there or, or, you know, they know how they beat them the first time, you know, a, a gold dragon could be a huge, um, I almost said suppository. That's that's something entirely different. <laughs> um, that would be technically a huge. Yes, very true. Um, but they could be a huge, like uh, you know, just bit of information. If there's a way to, you know, contact it or 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 you know, just call for aid in some way. It you know, don't even have it fight. Don't even have it do anything like that. But just be a resource for your players to you know to to draw from. And that's one of the, the, the greatest things about these golden dragons is there's so many different facets of how you can use one and apply it to your campaign. I mean, heck, you have a story about a golden dragon who actually turned evil. It's rare, but hey, it can happen. And how is this affecting the other, you know, the other dragons in the hierarchy and, and like, what are they doing about it and stuff? You know, just boom, dragon story. That's like 10 levels right there. Oh yeah, totally. And I love, I love the idea too, because all this information is good. All this is, is interesting, but sometimes it is fun to take a story and play against type. Mm -hmm. Like Ben said, have an evil gold dragon, have a corrupted gold dragon and the ramifications of that type of thing. Because in most campaigns, most of most of the time your players will most of the time your players will never fight a metallic dragon mm-hmm. just just because of alignment things right it's it's you're going to be fighting the the reds the blacks the whites the blues the greens that's those are the those are the evil dragons so it can be really interesting to kind of um play some of those against type from corruption or uh power hungry or just other circumstances that have caused uh these good dragons to to go bad Mm -hmm. um because dragon let's let's be honest just as dms dragons are fun to play yes (laughs) yes we we definitely covered that last time (laughs) dragons are fun to play dragons are fun to play in combat as well um and so very rarely will you get to play a metallic in combat so Playing against type is one way. Having them be allies for mm-hmm. large story arcs um, can be another way. And uh, one, of, one of the big things we talked about when we talked about combat, especially when you figure in allies and NPCs, is you never want the ally or NPC to outshine the player characters. Mm-hmm. Because this is not your story as a DM. This is the player's story. So you never want to take away that the spotlight and the, um, the coolness of the players getting to, you know, do their thing. However, there's a lot of ways you can supplement them and still make those encounters cool with these cool dragons or whatever these, these allies are on the side while still giving your players the, the chance to shine. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And um, again, with the golden dragon, it's just incredibly versatile. You can have them in dragon form. Uh, You can have them in some sort of humanoid form. You can have them be a beast, uh, you know, some sort of beast form going up and attacking, you know, biting and scratching as opposed to, 
binding as a dragon or something. Um, when they are in humanoid form and, and well, maybe not even that, even in dragon form and stuff, uh, because they are just so innately magical and everything, they tend to be, you know, more like wizards. You know, they tend, they take a lot of time. They study magic. Uh, it's, you know, one of the reasons they have magical wards around their vaults. Um, but of the, the, the different types of dragons and stuff, this is going to be the type that is really just really leaning into that magic and, and, you know, spell casting and everything. So, Hey, you know, have an NPC who's a wizard, help them out and everything. And time to leave. Poof. Turns into a dragon flies away. Might <laughs> it be a surprise that way. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it's just, and yeah. And don't even explain anything. Just be like, it's a dragon now flies away. What? Like, what just like, happened? Did they just polymorph themselves? Or are, what's going on? <laughs> oh gosh. Um, and just just as a reminder too, um, if you want to make your dragons more interesting, the um, the official rules actually have a dragon variant casting mm-hmm. rule that you can put into effect that will allow um, an easy way to give your dragons spells. And especially for gold dragons, like Ben said, who are inherently incredibly magical creatures, uh, spells are having some sort of actual magic they can cast can really spice up encounters, whether they're with you or even against you, um, more than just the claw, claw, bite, something breath every once in a while (laughs) when it recharges Mm -hmm. um so a lot of times i will throw that variant casting rule for dragons in just because it it makes them more interesting uh in general it makes them more interesting for you to play and it makes them more interesting strategically for the players because they won't know exactly what to expect exactly and I mean, gosh, there's, there's a lot more that we could talk about with golden dragons and just, they're just overall, just very interesting, very intelligent creatures. But again, I think uh, one of the things that we really need to touch on is like you said, though, they do live a really long time. So not only do they have all that knowledge, but they also look at the world differently, you know, whereas you might be worried about, uh, you know, a crop or a harvest going wrong this season, they'll know that, you know, over time that's going to even out and it's nothing to worry about. You know, it's that longevity that is, you know, kind of alien to a lot of, uh, you know, adventurers or just humanoids and everything. So, you know, really when you're, you're taking control of a, a a very long lived uh, dragon, just try to think in terms of, you know, centuries in terms of uh you know millennial millennial millennias all the millennias yes uh, yeah in terms of millennials so you know think it, look at it that way and, and and try to put that into perspective but at the same time understand that they do have you know kind of of, of thoughts and, and cares for the the humanoid and mortal races Yep. Agreed. And um, speaking of that, let's dive into our second topic for the night of long lived things. We're going to, this is, this is just lore heavy episode. We're going to talk about (laughs) elves. Uh, We, we talked about humans. Humans were the, you know, uh, you're just your general, uh, Everyone can kind of relate to this race. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're by far the most popular race to actually play in D&D when all the surveys come out. Uh, it's overwhelmingly human. But uh, usually in second place, you have elves. So Ben, why don't you run us through what is, what is a D&D elf? Uh, well, have you ever seen Lord of the Rings or heard of it or read it or anything like that? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Well, they they got pointy ears. Um, they're like Vulcans. They're very logical. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, okay. So 
the thing about elves is that they come in, at least in D&D terms, generally like three main sub-races, although there's a ton of different traits for them. And you're looking at high elves, wood elves, and dark elves. Now, sure, they're all elves, but they're incredibly different with how they actually interact with the worlds and, and how they're played. Um, like a wood elf would be someone who, you know, is very in tune with nature, very, you know, earthy. Uh, you can see them totally becoming rangers or druids or, or anything like that, where they really embrace nature. It, it, it's just kind of what they're going with. High elves are really kind of more, you know, like high fantasy, think magical. Um, gosh, what's the best way to put it? The, the, I would say they're more the arrogant ones out of all of them. It, yeah, whenever, whenever <laughs> someone says high elf, I, my immediate thought goes to, to pompous. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, have, I have experience with, with this one in particular because um, one character that I played for almost two years my my elven elven wizard elden it's a high high elf and it's 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 funny with with that longevity especially from an elven perspective uh from a fantasy perspective the elves think very highly of themselves Mm -hmm. uh they're very deliberate um they're not necessarily in a rush to do things because if you live for thousands of years, why would you be in a rush to do kind of anything? Oh, exactly. Um, so it's, yeah. So I, it always uh, is super fun to, to kind of not in a, not in a trolley way, but just in a personality way, play the slightly over the top kind of pompous or arrogant. I think I know everything type even though I don't type type character. Yeah. I kind of recently played one for the first time. Um, it was fun, but it is definitely not something that I can maintain for a very long time, but uh, it, it can make some fun interactions between, you know, you and other players, as long as, you know, everybody's kind of in on it together and stuff, you know, as we always say, you know, when you're doing RP, it's always the character, not the player. So, you know, just kind of make sure everyone's still happy and fun with that. Don't be, you know, overly just like mean and arrogant. But, um, you know, just remember as an elf, you've been around for a while. You may know things. And if not, they should respect you because, you know, you're their elder. And, you know, you, you just, you're more in tune with the world. You've studied more. You know so many languages, you know, depending on if you choose something. I mean, there, there's, there's, the right way to do things, which obviously you know how to do, and uh, you know other ways that yeah. aren't quite as good as yours, probably. No, of course not. Of Even course. though then they might work way better with this party dynamic or something like that, but you've got an idea. You you know what's going on. Yeah, exactly. So there's a, there's a lot of really interesting um, things you can you can play with as elves like like ben said ben mentioned several several different classes uh uh elves make in in my case uh, as what i've played good wizards mm-hmm. um, definitely elves, elves and lore are very uh magically uh based very yeah, magic sorcerers as well also very good especially with you know if you choose some sort of fey ancestry because i mean that's where elves are from they're from the Feywild originally, like forever ago. Um, so here's the thing that, uh, you know, kind of got me into the whole Dungeons and Dragons world in the first place, which I, I'm sure that, you know, you, you've heard of the Forgotten Realms books and, uh, you know, the Legacy of Drist and, and, and all that. Um, so, yeah, that, that's originally what got me into fantasy in the first place. I was a huge sci-fi fan overall, didn't give a crap about anything fantasy. And then our friend John said, hey, read this. And it was the first uh, Dritz book. Well, chronologically, story-wise, the first book, not the first one that he was actually in. Um, and if you've ever heard, of, heard that name before, you know that I'm talking about a dark elf or a drow. Now, um, historically drow are bad guys and not even just bad guys like they're evil i mean 
it's just the whole society, how they're raised, how they're, how they're brought up and everything. And the story of Driss Stewart and is basically he had a good heart and, you know, kind of rejected that whole philosophy and everything and made his way from the underdark, which by the way, that's where the dark elves live um, up into, you know, the service world and everything. And I know that playing D and D lets you create whatever sort of character that you want and everything. And if you want to completely, you know, emulate Driss, you can, but here's the big thing about it. Definitely talk with your DM first. Now, if this is a world where, you know, dark elves are everywhere or, or, you know, it's fine. You know, it's, it's, it's a world of, of dwarves hanging out with tieflings and everybody's happy and, and you know, stuff like that. That's perfect. doesn't matter. It's not a, that big a deal. But if you are creating a character in a world where like drow or dark elves are, you know, very much looked down upon where they're hated, it might make it a little bit more challenging for you to actually role play and, and play in the game. That being said, they're really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to do a drow character sometime. Uh, I had a game where, uh, one of my buddies was a drow warlock and it was, it was an interesting thing because it was the type of world where drow were not common as a, Oh, you're a friendly person. So it, mm-hmm. it was interesting because, so he, he kept himself disguised. He kept his hood up a lot. Um, drow are interesting because they have sunlight sensitivity, which actually gives them negatives while they're like fighting in the, in the sunlight, mm-hmm. which, which can be kind of interesting. And it's kind of a unique uh, thing for, from a race races perspective uh, as far as mechanics go. Um, but yeah, it's uh, there's, there's a lot of different things you can do, do with elves and elves are kind of the, the, the quintessential fantasy race. Like yes. if you want to, if you want to dip your toes into, okay, I want to not play a human, but I, <laughs> I'm not comfortable going with like a war forged. Or <laughs> I'm going to be a kobold today <laughs> or an orc or a kobold. Uh, elf is a great um, race to, to kind of, I guess, like I said, dip your toes into the more fantasy Mm -hmm. style. Um, Get in a mindset that's similar to a human's, but elevated in some ways. Mm -hmm. And with the perspective of years versus the human, you're going to live like 80 years and you're done. Elf, you're going to live. You don't get killed for some reason thousands of years and so just it's it's a very interesting perspective and an interesting take on how does your character react to things with those sorts of mindsets um, exactly versus some of your other party and can yeah. make for interesting role play oh definitely and one of the neat things too is that in a lot of elvish society and everything um you know since they do live as long as they do you're not really an adult until you specifically say, Hey, I'm an adult now. So like, if you really wanted to be like a 12 year old elf, that'd be a little weird because it'd be like, you know, taking a toddler away from their parents or something going adventuring. But you know, if you want to throw a hundred years on there, you know, that's perfectly fine. If you want to be slightly older, be, you know, two, 300 year old elf. um, It, it could be that you've spent all that time just kind of sheltered in your home, you know, uh, you know, finally had, you know, some sort of, of, uh, of wanderlust hit you. Whereas before you're just, you know, kind of helping out, making sure, you know, everything's going good at home, you know, protecting the forest or something. Um, th- there's a lot of reasons for an elf to actually go adventuring, you know, because they have such a long life. They could be specifically questing for something. They could be, you know, just wanting to see the world, wanting to experience a lot of different races um, or, you know, experiences to just have a better perspective of the world. You know, there's a lot of different things that you can choose from just as the, the barely beginning of, Hey, time for me to leave. Yep, exactly. I think my, my, uh, when we started level one, 
my high elf was 120 years old. Yeah. Makes sense. And <laughs> it's it's the the whole the whole explanation was it's just a much more laid back culture. It's not it it's not no one's in a hurry to to necessarily do all the things or learn all the things because it will come in time. And so it's uh it's kind of interesting how that works out because and I don't think we haven't really touched a huge amount on the tiers of play. And that might be something that we talk about as a as a general topic mm-hmm. sometime uh here here in the future. But even level one characters are elevated above the commoner. Mm-hmm. So you have some skills, you have some training of some sort, even as a level one character versus your average Joe town folk commoner person. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, heck, as soon as you hit 11 in something, you're better than almost everybody else at that. (laughs) I mean, unless you want to have just a, a, you know, average Joe of just all tens, I don't recommend that because it's probably going to be a, a little boring to play, but uh, who knows? You can have some fun with that. But um, yeah. that, that'll yeah. hurt you more, more combat wise than, than anything. Yeah, exactly. Gosh, I kind of, it'd be interesting to have just a, a, just a normal average person just going in everywhere, being an adventurer, just trying really hard. Name him Joe. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, elves though boy oh boy are their names all fancy and filled with extra vowels and and l's and just interesting names they do but the the nice thing is there are things that can help you there's actual like name lists in some of the D &D books that you can use xanthar's guide is great for that yes yes big um big shout out to that because especially because we talked about the humans um a lot of times you won't just you may not be playing an elf as a dm you may be making elf npcs Mm -hmm. and so uh there's there's a lot of interesting things you can do with with elf npcs and and personalities and culture and race but uh, at the same time (laughs) if you need to pull out some names that sound elvish xanthars has good ones fantasy name generator mm-hmm. uh there's several online that you can you can go look at that will generate uh not only elven names human names but like dwarven names tiefling names orc names all sorts of of different racial names to i mean there's nothing wrong with having an elf named joe or bob or whatever yeah. It could even be um, short for something like like Bob Thelial or something. It, it could be. <laughs> In fact, but, if you have a really long elf name, your party is probably going to nickname you. That that's true. It, it it does happen. But if you do want to to add flavor and kind of add to the immersion, draw draw people in, then having those uh, like like I was I recommended before. A lot of times as a DM, I have just a single page that I have printed out and it has like female human names, female uh, male human names, female off names, male off names, mm-hmm. and just a, like just a list of just a bunch of random names for all races. Um, some that could be for either some that could be for, for multiple different races. And then whenever I need to make up a character on the fly, I just take a quick da- glance down on my list put a little check mark by it, make a tiny little note and be like, it's Bobathel Aranel. I'm sorry, that was Bob Philel. Bob Philel. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe uh, Bob will just show up in one of our games. I kind of hope so now. <laughs> Here are you. I am Bobathel. But most people just call me Bob. Orthel. Orthel. <laughs> It's so ridiculous. Um, hey, yeah, it's, it's better than some of the stuff I've come up with. <laughs> I know there's there's definitely been some very uh, interesting, ridiculous characters when I've not had my list in front of me, uh, or very generic things. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And sometimes those end up being the best. So, oh, very much so. It's just it's just all in all in the situation. Um, Any more any more elf things? Uh, They're super fun to play. They've got a lot of different from a mechanical standpoint. They have a lot of different sub races. So Mm -hmm. there usually is a sub race you can find. And he said you don't have to optimize. You never have to optimize. Oh no, no. But if you want to, they've got several different sub races that have different varying features like plus two to dexterity or plus one to intelligence or whatever that can be a little bit better of a fit with whatever class you're wanting. Mm -hmm. Exactly. In fact, if you go to D&D Beyond and just click on elves for elf traits, there's uh, way too many. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 different uh, elf trait variants. So there's probably going to be one that, that totally fits with, you know, what you're dreaming up when you're creating an elf. And it, it's something that's really cool is the fact that like humans, they're incredibly versatile depending on which way you want to go with them. So yeah, just uh, take some time, you know, dig through, find out what actually really works with you. And I mean, you'll be able to pick the kind of elf that fits the, the fantasy that you're looking for. Yep, that's right. Elves. Elves are fun. Elves are fun. All right. So, speaking of lore, we have a lore community shout-out this week. And the shout-out is Mr. Rex. Yes. This, this guy's YouTube channel is super freaking cool. He does uh, a lot of D&D lore videos. Um, they're, they're basically called... Uh, most of them are are entitled what they don't tell you about x what they don't tell you about hill giants what they don't tell you about mimics what they don't tell you about unicorns lizard folk white dragon uh, all sorts he's got he's got dozens of these of these videos um just in deep D lore and it's super interesting and uh we'll have a link on dndiscussions.com mm-hmm. Highly recommend you go check yeah. it out. Uh, both me and Ben have watched lots of his stuff. Yeah, tons of information. If you're looking to you know, add a lot more depth than what you can find in the Monster Manual, um, he pulls information from you know, previous editions, kind of compiles everything, just has a ton of lore in those videos. I, I can't recommend him enough. Definitely. So, very much so. Check that out. Um, and Ben, I think you had uh, a little something you wanted to yeah, talk about. Yeah, a little, just a little public service announcement. Um, so I've, maybe to my detriment, I don't know, <laughs> I've been, uh, you know, randomly uh, clicking on some some YouTube videos that are from r slash uh, RPG Horror Stories. Because as you know, if you start clicking on a bunch of uh, D&D videos, obviously it's just going to start pulling anything it possibly can. And of course, these fit into the algorithm. And, you know, at first I'm like, okay, you know, let's see what some people are, are kind of, you know, throwing out there for stories. And I'm picturing like, oh man, I just kept rolling ones all night and oh, that was horrible and stuff. And, and, you know, there were a couple stories like that, but there's a lot of really negative things out there as well in some games. Um, I'm not going to go into any details because personally, I, I don't want to bring up any of these topics of things that happen, but it, just a little D and PSA. Um, if you're in a game that you're not having fun with and you know, you've talked to your DM or, you know, you're having disagreements with players or something like that. Um, and it's something that you, you really can't work out or get past or anything. You can leave. It is quite all right. You know, Dungeons and Dragons is a game. You're supposed to be having fun. It's supposed to be a safe place. It's with people who are in in it for you know a common goal together, and that is to enjoy the time that they're 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 playing. If for some reason it's not hitting what you need, if for some reason you you're not comfortable with what's going on, if you feel like you can't talk to your DM about something that's happening, it's okay to stop. And in fact, um, something that I've definitely, you know, have a big mantra about now, especially after hearing some of these things, and that's no D&D is better than bad D&D. 
So if you really are just having a horrible time, please leave, find something else, find a different group. I know it's, it's hard. Sometimes it's frustrating to find a good one, but it's much better for yourself that way. Completely agree. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fun to be had out there, Mm -hmm. but there are also the unfortunate times where, um, the the people are not there to for the enjoyment of everyone. Yeah, they don't have your best interests at heart. Yeah. That's that's probably the, the 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 best way I can put it is if everybody's not there together for a common purpose, it might not be the best place for you to be. Yep, and if you're a person who's had experiences like that or your first experience is like was like that, I'm sorry. There are good games. We yes. prove it when we talk about what we're doing in our games <laughs> every week, hopefully because, <laughs> at least uh, no, no complaints so far. No, no complaints so far. We, I have, I have, I have been in, I've definitely been in some subpar games before. And the, the difference between a game where the people care and the DM cares are wildly, vastly different uh, than the ones where, where they don't. And there's, mm-hmm. And the nice thing is there are so many avenues these days to actually find a game that you can fit into and everyone will treat everyone else with respect and are there to have fun and put the enjoyment of the group above everything else. You've got, you know, roll 20, you've got Reddit, you've got, the teen D beyond discord. There's mm-hmm. so many forums you can go to. Um, you have your local game stores that, that probably run uh, or there's pickup groups or groups that they're starting. So there's, there's more avenues than ever before to find groups to play tabletop, not just even, not just D D, but just to play tabletop with. Exactly. Um, so, there's, there's no shame in if you, you're in a, in a bad group leaving and finding another because there's plenty out there. Exactly. Uh, speaking of some of the games that are out there, though, uh, Ryan, I, I hear that you've been playing a little d and I do. I do play some D&D, Ben. Um, I'm actually playing uh, the game IDM this Friday should be really really interesting there's some i don't think i guess cataclysmic is probably not quite (laughs) the quite the word for it but it's going to be very uh some big region uh shattering affecting events um depending on what the the players choose there's two or three large things kind of brewing and so I'm going to basically, and I don't know why I do this to myself, but I'm going to give them the option of what <laughs> big thing they want to tackle. And so it's, it should be a very interesting session. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it after, after it happens. Um, but my other recent game, the, the one I'm a player in, my home game, recently happened. And I, I, I know I've talked a little bit about it then this it's 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 gotten it's gotten pretty ridiculous because we're basically just trying to make money so we can (laughs) afford to it's it's a very uh eberron ish world it's not like full eberron but it's it's got a lot of eberron qualities like the the heightened magic and Mm -hmm. like uh trains and stuff like that um so we're basically trying to save up enough money so we can go to go to this big city and through a series of all these different events uh we've acquired a keep after killing a, a mad wizard uh we've acquired <laughs> essentially a poltergeist after nice. <laughs> after after killing a necromancer and accidentally destroying 
the dude's the the ghost's body. Whoops. Um, <laughs> so he's with us now. And then we went back into to one of the towns, and our poltergeist uh, ended up possessing a warforged that was <laughs> that belongs to a shopkeeper, and then we stole it. So uh, it's it's been an interesting <laughs> interesting run. And so we we basically are kind of going back to our keep now. We hired some people in town to watch over it while we're while we're adventuring and while we're we're off Mm -hmm. and we're eating breakfast the next morning and uh heard some some ruckus from the courtyard and found out that and i mean let's be honest we haven't had the time to really look around the whole keep (laughs) it was an evil wizard's keep and so we found out that uh there was a statue covering a hidden doorway when we opened it a bunch of demon things came out and attacked us so now we are heading down into uh what my character refers to as more real estate aka the basement and uh that's where we put the theater and stuff yeah exactly and so we're trying to figure out uh what's going on down there if these were just like leftover experiments or if there's something deeper something untoward evil so i'm excited (laughs) that's awesome what about you I heard you had a session recently that yes. you fought through you you beast you even though you were sick. Yeah, I uh so for the past couple of weeks I've been, you know, kind of fighting off a cold and it's been really nasty. But um you know, we had plans for Saturday. It's like, okay, we're gonna play D D and you know, that morning I'm kinda coughing a whole bunch of stuff, but I'm like, man, I hope I can make it through. I'm going to be talking a lot because I'm the DM. So I don't really have much of a choice here, but I'm like, okay, we're going to do this anyway because I'm dying to play, especially since uh, the last session we had was basically just a, you know, a shopping, you know, three or four hours series, but, but it was a fun shopping. Oh, it was session. so much fun. Yeah. yeah that's, yeah. that's, you know, where uh Yusuf swag and Emporium, you know, sh- uh, showed up and is in the game now. Um, so the, the team, you know, they take their wagon out of town. They kind of go through, they, they, uh, uh, stop at the halfway in and, uh, they're able to, you know, kind of reconnect with the, the halfling family that, that lives there. And I mean, there's a lot of role play, a lot of fun, cool stuff that was happening and everything. Uh, our warlock was playing with the kids and just, you know, using mage hand to move stuffed animals around and stuff. And I'm just lots of fun. Um, this is something that I absolutely love is that there's been a lot more role play in this party, like over the last few, uh, you know, I I keep wanting to say episodes, it's not a show, but over the last few sessions, sometimes it can feel like it though. Oh, definitely. (laughs) Like in a good way. In a good way. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, it's been great because, you know, the, the characters are really kind of coming to their own. Um, I think that everybody's, you know, really feeling just very comfortable with each other to just kind of talk and chat in character and everything. And you know, it's absolutely great. And some of the stuff that they talk about and, in, in, you know, and, you know, develop character wise, is just a lot of fun to just be a part of in any way. So I'm just totally loving and enjoying that. So then uh, they leave the end, they stay the night. So that they're, you know, nice and well rested. They're making their way up to midday, which is the, the, the farming community that's, you know, under siege by orcs. So, they they go up, they have this brilliant battle with some orcs. There's like about, you know, five of them. There's about eight orcs, um, you know, of varying levels of difficulty and everything. That's a big combat. Yeah, it, it actually worked out really well because, um, so the, our paladin bought a, a Warhammer. It's, uh, you can find on D&D Beyond, it's the Sunforger. And it's, it's a magical hammer. It's a plus two. It's fantastic. Um, once per short or long rest, you can throw the hammer and where it lands, it detonates. So she was That's actually able, cool. yeah, she got five of the orcs in that blast zone. She just vaporized three of them with it. It was fantastic. And then uh, after that, it's like, well, I can use a full action to have the thing come back to my hand, but I have some javelins. So then she started using a javelin and I mean, she's just destroying these guys and um, you know, spells are being flung everywhere. There's a lot of creative combat use from my players and everything. And it was, it was a fantastic combat encounter. 
and then uh, they they met up with someone from the local militia, and they're they're heading to the headquarters right now to kind of you know assess the situation and stuff. So I'm really looking forward to the next session on that. That's unfortunately not going to be until January, just because you know busy season and whatnot. But um, oh man, it was it was a absolutely fantastic session. I had so darn, much darn adult schedules. Yeah. But um, I also, uh, I know we talked about it on the last episode. I did play my Star Wars game as well. Ooh, tell us about that. Yeah, so that was interesting. Uh, basically, we landed, uh, we, we tried to get some information from a, a dude at a bar. At, he's like a, a gambler and everything. So we go to the seedy dive bar, you know, aliens everywhere and stuff. And, you know, the day shift leaves, night shift comes in and, and, uh, the the other players who were you know like kind of asking about him and stuff and it turns out it's like uh someone in his entourage came up and you're looking for so so and so I'm like yeah like, oh meet us here in 15 minutes or whatever so we're like okay are these the droids you're looking for yeah so we walked into an obvious trap and <laughs> our pilot who shouldn't be a tank but tries to be one uh, walks right up and I'm being the R2 unit next to him, just roll right up next to the dude. He says, hi, are you so-and-so? He immediately pulls out a blaster and shoots him. And <laughs> we're just like, whoa. And uh, it was a, it was a nice little combat encounter that we had there. And um, <laughs> I went in, I, I went into like this warehouse area just to, to try to, you know, get some cover and everything. There's a dude in there and we ended up having, a knife versus a stun like you know zapper fights and just kept missing for like three rounds in a row and it was a lot of fun oh gosh but uh overall you know the combat ended we got some information and everything i uh, got what we needed and uh now we're basically trying to get our way into uh working for a hut to get some information so oh fun yeah we're trying to get some information about that some, seems like a some fun imperial system. super weapon yeah it, i'll tell you though it's because it's so different, combat is very weird. So you've got, it's kind of working on a modified uh, D&D like 3.5 edition or like a Pathfinder edition um, stuff. But the amount of abilities has been like squished so much compared to what it originally was and stuff. So anyways, mix and match of like all these different systems, but you've got like vitality points and then wound points. So like, if you get hit, as long as you have like some, I think it's like vitality points or whatever, you're cool. But as soon as that hits zero, then it gets into wound points and then you start getting negatives on, you know, ability checks, movement, stuff like that. So, you know, think about it. You get shot with a blaster, you know, oh, that really sucks and hurts, but you get shot enough times. It's like, okay, I'm limping to my next thing and I can't aim properly and stuff like that. And, being a droid is a little bit different because I don't have as many vitality points and I can very easily die. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if the rolls are well enough, they can put me back together. So, you know, that's, <laughs> that's a good thing with that. We um, can rebuild him. Exactly. Faster, stronger. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, that's a, also a fun game. We're having a lot of fun with that one. So, cool. um, that not sure like a fun that one. Yeah. It's, I, well, I mean, I don't know how much you know about me in Star Wars, but like, it's my life. So I'm, I'm digging being able to just kind of hang out in the universe for a while. And, and R2-D2 is my favorite like fictional character of anything. So being able to play as an astromech and kind of, you know, tool around and, you know, hop on in slice computers and stuff is really fun. And I'm really enjoying it. That's awesome. It may, I may have to, to look into that more because you, you've got me. <laughs> your, your stories have gotten me intrigued for sure yeah, there's some there's some cool stuff that you can do uh you know we have our own ship and so far we haven't had to do any ship combat which is pretty cool but uh eventually i know it's gonna happen Ugh, yeah that that sounds like a lot of fun um well i think that will about do it for this week's episode thank you guys so much for listening uh <laughs> to our to our excited rantings about <laughs> D and and Star Wars and everything in between, uh, we we really appreciate you listening. And of course, if you have any questions for us or if you'd like us 
to cover a specific topic, shoot us a tweet on Twitter over at the in discussions or send us an email, the in discussions at gmail.com. Uh, ben, where can everybody find us individually? Oh, wow. Individually. I mean, you, the master of ceremonies here, definitely uh, reach out to Ryan. You can find him at TBK Zord on Twitter. Um, you can find me. I'm at Ben Bumhofer. Uh, we both love talking to anybody about D&D. If you have any questions or comments or just, you know, kind of want to throw us an article or something that you saw that was really cool, you know, go for it. We really enjoy it and have a lot of fun with that. And of course, uh, if you like this show and want to hear more episodes, we've got a whole 12 others. Uh, you can check us out on iTunes or Google Play. And of course, on beindiscussions.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ben. And until next time, have a wonderful week. Be good to each other. <laughs>